welcome you wherever you're at. Thanks for coming together and joining with us to gather as a church family. It's so important. And I, I think this is a really exciting time because we're in this series called Family Meeting. Family Meeting. And this is kind of a family talk. So if you're new to our church, it's a great time for you to come because you're going to get a lot of insight into what matters here and what's important. You're also going to get to hear me just be really honest and open with our church family. The church is a family. And that's something that we talked about last week, that the church is a family. Aren't you grateful for your church family? Yeah. I'm so grateful that this is a family of believers who love Jesus and were united in the Spirit. And last week we talked about the importance of gathering together. We said that family shows up. And this is one of those series that if you miss a week, it's really encouraged. I encourage you to go back and listen to the message that you missed because they all kind of build and they go together. But we said that family shows up and we're talking about what it looks like to be a fully developing follower of Jesus. That you're not perfect and you're not gonna be fully developed on this side of heaven, but all of us are called to be fully developing. That means all areas of our life we give to Jesus, all areas of our life we're submitting to him and we're following him wherever he leads us. And one of the things that God's word emphasizes is that family shows up and that we need to gather together the way that you are today. So great job, you're doing it. Great, give yourselves a hand. I mean, come on. I'm gonna applaud you for a minute. I'm just proud of you. And we said that a church family member, if you decide to become an official church member at Generation Church, you make this commitment and you say this, I commit to regularly attend Generation Church gatherings and prioritize fellowship with God's people. That's what a church family member does. I'm making this a commitment to prioritize this. Not in a legalistic way, but because it's important and I know that I need it. I think about growing up there were many times on Saturday mornings when my dad would call our family together downstairs into the living room, and he said, you know, kids, we're all gonna do chores today, we're gonna work together, because our house needs to be picked up, it needs to be cleaned, and you're all gonna play a role. And then dad and mom, they would develop a chore chart. How many families have a chore chart? Come on. You got like a grid and you write down names and you, you write down chores and you give all the kids a chore and, and everyone starts to whine a little bit like, oh, I don't want to do that. Why does she get to do that and I have to do this? And I was a kid growing up, I always had to clean the bathrooms. Any of you like me, like you kind of like cleaning bathrooms just a little bit. You know, it's gross, but you get a little bit of satisfaction out of seeing the fruit of your work. One minute you got a stained toilet seat and the next minute it's clean. I mean, it's gross, but it's fulfilling. I mean, we always had to pitch in and we would kind of complain like, I don't really want to do it. I don't really, I don't really want to work, Dad. I want to play video games. I want to watch cartoons. I want to sleep. And Dad would always say, he would always say, family works together. And that's the title of my message today, Family Works Together. We're a family, and God calls us to work together. We're in this together. We're not gonna all just watch mom do the dishes while we sit around playing video games. We're a family. All the moms said amen, right? Okay, thank you. And we're a family. We're gonna work together. And we really get our example in this from Jesus Christ himself. And I'm gonna go to John chapter 13 today, and we're gonna spend some time in John 13 if you have a Bible and you wanna follow along, but I'm gonna read it all to you first, and then I'll kinda of come back and spend some time in it. It says in John 13, verse one, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. 
It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And this was where they were kind of getting into this conversation. Jesus was making some deep theological truths that once he has saved you, you are clean in God's sight. And you don't need to be re-saved again and again, okay? So once you're clean, you're clean in God's sight. And so here's what Jesus replied in verse 10. A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. So he's saying that you are clean in God's sight once I save you, but once you become a Christian, you still need to sometimes confess your sin. It's kind of like washing your hands before a meal to, get, to kind of get touched up in some areas. You don't need to get saved all over again, but it's good to confess your sin. This is like a deep theological conversation that Jesus wove into this very practical moment, and the disciples didn't really understand it at the time. It wasn't until later they were like, you know, I think I figured out what he was talking about then. So if you read this part and you're like, what? The disciples were saying the same thing when they heard him, like, what? <laughs> so don't feel bad if you're not following that. But it's kind of deep. It's kind of profound. But here's what it goes on to say in verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Okay, this is a great passage, Jesus washing feet. Uh, I wanna kind of illustrate this to you. And we just sang a song that you know, said the Savior knelt to wash our feet. And maybe you've kind of heard about that and you never really understand what that was talking about. And so I just wanna kind of like demonstrate this and kind of help you understand the background of this. Um, thank, you for, thank you for that, that's really good, that's perfect. Um, Pastor Aaron, hold on one second, actually. You know, you're a great blessing to me and the church and I just wanna bless you. How about you have a seat, my good friend? So you gotta realize that right before this passage in John 13 takes place, all the disciples were arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. They were like, I'm gonna be the greatest. No, I'm gonna be the greatest. They all were prideful and full of themselves and fighting for recognition. And Jesus was saying, you're all so far out of whack, it's not even funny. Let me show you what the kingdom of God really looks like. Now, Aaron, you're amazing. You've just been leading worship up here, Pastor Aaron. And um, I know... Yeah, I know, uh, you know, you've probably been working up a good sweat. <laughs> and I can imagine that you got those sweaty worship leader feet right now. So why, why don't you just let me, let me just bless you. Let me just bless you. And, and just, yeah, go ahead and kick. This isn't weird at all. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, so go, let me, just, just, just one foot's good. Just I'll get, one. I'll just, yeah, yeah. I'll get the other one next service. <laughs> All right, so there we go. Yeah, kick that foot in there. Yeah, we gotta save something for next service. There we go. All right, so Jesus poured water in a basin. Oh man, I'm getting it on. Now you gotta realize in this culture, everybody wore sandals everywhere they went and they walked on dirt roads and they shared these roads with animals. And so in this culture, when they ate meals, they would recline on the floor on cushions at tables that were very low. And so you got your bro's feet up by your face. You don't wanna have a stanky foot up by your face before you eat food. So it was customary to wash feet before any meal. And what would happen is that the lowest ranking person in any household in this Jewish culture would be the one that would wash feet, either like the youngest child or a servant if the family was wealthy, but it was never for the person who was a high-ranking person of honor or the father of the house. It was always a job for the servant or the youngest child, so it's perfect for me right now. Um, and so here I am, and you know, I just want to bless you, but you know, I just want to take <laughs> some precautions Because, you know, it's like serious up in here. <laughs> I just want to be prepared for this. You know, I want to do a good job. And, and, and I, know, I know you're a, a manly man, so I just brought, I just brought some. So I just want to, you know, get some, get some foot washing going there. Get between the toes a little bit. And you can just imagine, like, as Jesus did this, the disciples were freaking out. Right? Like, what is happening right now? Jesus is washing our feet. And he's our master. He's our teacher. He should be the last one doing this, right? They were kind of thinking, you know, I should have gotten a pedicure before this. <laughs> they were feeling very self-conscious. You know, Jesus pulled out the steel wool, and he was just like, you know, get to, get to work. And, uh, and, and so then Jesus, it says that he had a towel wrapped around his waist. He took off his outer robe. It's kind of like saying he took off his fancy clothes, and he got dressed up fully like a servant. He got prepared to do the work. He got a towel out, and then he dried their feet, and he got their feet nice and dry. I mean, you don't owe me a tip or anything for this. I just want to serve you. Um, so he dried their feet as a way of showing them, serve one another the way that I am serving you. And this is a great illustration in Jesus' day. It's kind of weird, but it's still a great illustration today. Amen? So we're supposed to serve one another. Thank you. Thank you for all your help, Aaron. You're amazing. I got to take these off. And then let me just get a little bit of this. Okay. Okay, so wait, wait, hold on. Take this too. Thank you so much. Okay, so So here's the thing. Jesus says, do for each other as I have done for you. But he didn't literally mean we have to wash each other's feet. Isn't that good news? Everybody breathes a sigh of relief. But we do need to serve. In order to be a fully developing follower of Jesus, we need to serve one another. So a church family member, someone who's committed to their church family, they make this kind of commitment. They say, I commit to serve my church family as a reflection of how Jesus has served me. 
That's what a church family member really says. I'm a part of the body of Christ. I'm a fully developing follower of Jesus. And I'm going to serve my church family the way that Jesus has served me. He told me, serve one another. I'm going to do it because I'm following him and I want to develop in all areas of my life. Now, today, we don't have any foot washing teams, thank God. But we do have lots of ways that you can serve your church family. And many of you serve on these teams, like our welcome team. All the people greeting you when you come in the door. Uh, Our cafe, our parking team, aren't they awesome out there? I'm waving to you. We've got a security team keeping us safe. We've got a worship team, our production team, uh, the experience team that helps us out in this room. Celebrate Recovery. There's a lot of people that uh, serve in Celebrate Recovery. It's an amazing ministry. Um, Our life group leaders are serving their church family by leading a life group. You can serve as a leader in Gen Youth with the youth ministry. You can serve in G Kids, kindergarten through sixth grade. You can serve in the nursery, our nursery ministry called Little G's. Isn't that the cutest thing you've ever heard? You can serve in Little G's. You can serve for just special events like our big days that we throw big events. Uh, You can serve on our prayer team. You can grill hot dogs. You can help with facilities and fixing things. You can be on the media team and do graphics or take pictures. You can serve in our food pantry. You can serve in our clothing closet. You can serve in our marriage ministry, help building and fixing marriages. Uh, There are several ministries that I'd like to start. I'd like to expand our online ministries, and I want to start a prison ministry. Okay, there's a lot of ways to serve. Why do we need our church family to serve one another? Because our church is exploding with growth. Our church has been one of the fastest growing churches in America for four years in a row. Last year it was the fastest growing church in Arizona. And that's why we are in the middle of our bold campaign. Some of you are new and you don't know this, but in August, we really announced this and kicked off our bold campaign. So this is a picture of our Mesa campus, and and this is the building that we're in right now. But we're going to build a new building out in front of us to the east that will double the capacity of this campus from what it is right now. And so this project, we are budgeting about $6 million for this project, and many of our church family have already committed and pledged to give above and beyond their tithes and offerings um, to help us build this. And so I wanna say, if you're new and you've come in the last few months or maybe just right now or hearing about this for the first time, we've got projects going on in Mesa and in Ahwatukee to make more room so that we can reach more people for Jesus Christ. And I wanna invite you to jump in and become a part of the bold campaign to pledge whatever God leads you to give above and beyond sacrificially. People have sacrificed vacations and pulled things out of retirement and moved things around to help contribute to this because when God's people come together, amazing things are possible. Amen. And we're not doing this because we're in love with buildings, but we're in love with the people who are going to come and fill this space. Our church is running out of space for adults and kids ministry, and that's why we we have to make more room because people are worth it. Amen. So we need you. If you're not a part of this, I am asking and praying that you will ask God how you should participate in this, how you can be a part of the bold campaign and give. We do need you to give. We ask for you to give and we know that God will bless you for giving. But here's the thing. When we build this and when we finish our projects in Ahwatukee, Statistically and by all rational planning, the church is going to grow significantly in a short amount of time. 
That's just what happens. It's a little bit of like a, if you build it, they will come kind of thing, especially when you're already a growing church like we are. So the church is gonna explode in just 12 months to 18 months after we finish this project. And that means that we need the people who are currently in the crowd at Generation Church to become a part of the core of Generation Church and serve. Because we need to be ready to serve. There is a great harvest that is going to come in. We're going to see a lot of lives change. But I'm reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 9, verse 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. I feel like he was venting for all pastors everywhere. (laughs) So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his Fields. Okay, so we want to see a great harvest of lives changed. Amen, everybody? We all agree on that? Okay. So we need more workers in the field. And the field is here. You won't find any place in society where more people get saved on a regular, consistent basis than inside the walls of a church like ours. Thousands of people getting saved in short periods of time. It's an incredible harvest field. And if we want to see God move, we need people who are currently in the crowd to become a part of the core. We need people who are church attenders to become family members. So here's the situation. Like at Generation Church right now, we can kind of look at our planning software and our scheduling software and we can measure this. In the last two months, there were around 800 people who served in some way. That's a lot of people, right? I mean, that is amazing. Our, and, and our team, the people who serve, they're faithful, they're passionate, they're incredible. They just blow my mind how joyful they are. But that is a, a small number out of the people who consider this their church home. On an average weekend right now, about 2,600 people come to church here. And then you'll find that about 35 to 3,800 people consider this their church home. They're just not all here at the same time. So if you take kids out of the equation, and if you take new people out of the equation who maybe aren't even Christians, or they're just kind of figuring out what's going on, that, that means that only about one out of three of the adults who should be serving are serving. Now, I went to public school, but... That's not good. I mean, I'm grateful for the 800 people who are serving, but if two-thirds of the family is sitting around watching one-third of the family do all the work, that's not a healthy family. That's not healthy for any, I can't believe I'm saying this right now, right? But that's not good. And I feel like God wants me to just be real about this right now and just be honest with our church. In a healthy family dynamic, I think everyone works together. Now, some church leaders would say, hey, Ryan, you know, but one out of three serving, that's kind of, that's average for a church in America. But here's the thing. For me, American churches aren't our standard. Jesus is our standard. And I don't want to be average. I don't know about you. We don't want to be average here at this church. In order to be healthy and do what God has called us to do, all of God's family needs to work together. I notice in verse 1 of John chapter 13, it said, He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. There's this word love, and love is the reason that we serve. We serve because we love people. 
That's what it's about. We serve because we love people. This act of foot washing that Jesus performed, it was an act of hospitality and love. And he loved his disciples. The Bible tells us very clearly, he loved them to the end. And serving is a reflection of that. That's why we serve at church, because we love people. Now, imagine if my wife, Amy, said to me, hey, Ryan, um, uh, can you help me with some things? Can you wash the dishes? And I said, nope, but I love you. I don't really feel like that would make her all warm and fuzzy on the inside. She would say, don't tell me, show me. Show me that you love me. And actually, I've been doing more chores than ever these days. <laughs> now that we have a little, little baby in the house, because now that Amy's you know, taking care of this baby, um, she can't do all the things that she was doing and take care of this baby. I've got I've to help her. It wouldn't be realistic or loving for me to just ask her to do all the work while I sit around and benefit from the work that she does in our household. There's a lot of work in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of work in the church. And I'm reminded of this quote. My dad used to say this to us when we were growing up. John Haywood said, many hands make light work. There's a lot of work, but when everybody is pitching in, it becomes easy, doesn't it? It goes by quickly. It's a joy. It doesn't burden one person, but it's something that everybody does together, and it's not that hard when we work together. And the church is the body of Christ. And, and let me ask you this, the body of Christ. Have you ever had a, a body part, like a, like a foot or a knee or an ankle that was injured or hurt or not working properly? Like when it's hurt, like if your ankle is hurt, what happens is you start to compensate for that. And then other things start to hurt, don't they? And so when one part of the body of Christ isn't functioning the way that it's supposed to, it puts an undue strain and wear on other parts of the body of Christ. Does that make sense? That's totally how it works. And so the problem with that is, you know, if I'm not serving, if I'm not serving, then I'm overburdening someone else and asking them to carry the load that I'm supposed to carry. They're being overburdened while I'm becoming spiritually lethargic. That's not healthy. That's not healthy. So if we want to obey the command of Christ to love one another, then we have to obey his command to serve one another. I'm serving because I love you, my church family, too much to ask you to do all the work alone. The Lord wants each of us to grow in this area so that we'll be prepared for the growth that's coming. Listen, we can't pray that God will send in the harvest and that lost people will be saved. We can't celebrate baptisms and then just expect all the people who are doing the work now to just pick up the load with all these new people that are gonna come into the body of Christ. We've all gotta come together and work together. We love each other and so we're gonna do the work together. And, and I wanna point this out, verse one, it said he loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. Every time I read this verse, it gets me. It gets me, this, this passage, it chokes me up thinking about here's Jesus on the night that he's gonna be handed over to be crucified and he's still serving his disciples. He loved them to the very end. That brings me to my next point. We never stop serving. We never stop serving. We start when we receive new life in Jesus and we stop when we're buried in the ground. We never quit. Jesus never quit, we never quit. So as a church leader, here's the thing. As a church leader, we're gonna try to train you to serve. We're gonna help you, we're gonna encourage you, but we're not perfect, okay? 
We're gonna do our best to make serving fun and fulfilling. But as pastors, um, it's not our job to force you to serve. It's not our job to beg you to serve. It's your responsibility to serve. Once you find a church home, act like family and work together with your family. Don't be the guy who signs up to serve and then declines all the invitation or does it once and then just stops. Don't be the guy that walks up to me like, hey, Pastor Ryan, if you need anything, I'm here for you, and then walk away like you shifted all responsibility to me to come get you. It's your responsibility to serve. You should be banging down the doors like, let me serve somehow. I need to do this. If you don't give me something to do, I'm gonna grab a mop and start mopping something. And I wanna say this to all of our snowbirds and winter visitors. God didn't send you to Arizona to be a house guest. He sent you here to be a part of the family. You've got your church home and this is your home away from home. If you got two homes, that means you got two families. And when you're here, you should serve like family. Arizona is a state that is synonymous with retirement, but in the kingdom of God, we don't retire. We refire. So your role might change. You'll go through different seasons. In some seasons, you can do more. In some seasons, you can do less. You know your family. You know your situation. Sometimes you can do more. Sometimes you can do less. There have been people in our church, I've had to go to them and be like, yo, you need to slow down. You need to take, like, you're not allowed to do anything else until you stop doing something that you're doing. Because, like, it's not healthy for you and your family. And then we got other people who aren't doing anything. And so in some seasons you do more, in some seasons you do less, but we always serve. This isn't country club community church. It's generation church. We're family. We serve. We don't have to. We get to. That's our attitude. Here's Jesus. He's approaching his crucifixion. And think about this. He washed Peter's feet knowing that in just a short amount of time, Peter would be denying that he even knew Jesus. And, and as far as we can tell, he washed Judas's feet, possibly, knowing that Judas would betray him. Um, so here he is, he's about to save the world by suffering a terrible death, and that highlights another important point for us. We even serve difficult people at difficult times. Amen? The reason that some people quit serving is because they went through a difficult time or they encountered difficult people. Like, man, I was serving, but there was this guy who was rude to me. What do you expect? <laughs> like, you're serving people. <laughs> Sometimes people are difficult, just like they were for Jesus. Like, well, I was serving, but I didn't feel appreciated. It was hard. Like, I hear, I hear people sometimes with different excuses and reasons why they don't serve. You know, like, I'm busy right now. I'm stressed out right now. I'm in school. I'm finishing school. I'm starting a business. My business is growing. My business is failing. I tried it and I didn't like it. I signed up, but my leader didn't follow up with me. It's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. I just want to ask this. Like, are you looking for an opportunity to serve or an excuse not to serve? Because whatever you're looking for, you'll find it. Any excuse for not serving is just that, an excuse. And that excuse did not come from God. I can tell you right now. Sometimes when things get crazy in our lives, we think we need to pull out of responsibility to protect ourselves, and we're actually robbing ourselves a blessing when we need it the most. So we have people in our church who are serving in the midst of difficult times. People in our church right now who are serving who have cancer, people who are serving who are starting businesses, 
who are raising kids with special needs. Uh, but more importantly, we have the example of Jesus. So we don't serve only when we have nothing else to do. We prioritize it because it's the most important thing that we can do. If people don't appreciate you when you serve, just remember that God sees you and he's the one that rewards our service. If Jesus served his disciples on the night that he was gonna be handed over to be crucified, we can serve each other in some way in a difficult season. So here's what it goes on to say, verse 13. It says, Jesus pointed out, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I tell you the truth, he said, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. That brings me to my next point. We serve because one who is greater served us first. There's someone, someone who's greater has already served us. And in this culture, if you were great, if you were in a position of authority, you didn't have to serve this way. But Jesus was breaking that cultural trend and showing in the kingdom of God, if you want to be great, you've got to serve. Jesus was saying, there's no one higher than me in this kingdom. You've called me master, you're right. That's what I am. And he, he's basically saying, if I served you, you have no excuse. You've got to serve one another. Now, one of the, mo the most beautiful results of us serving each other is it destroys our own selfish ambition, and it kills our pride, and it helps us to be humble. Jesus took the lowest job. He was the king of kings and lord of lords, and he washed feet. And we're his servants, and we're not greater than our master. So that means if it was good enough for him, it's good enough for us. Amen, church? None of us are too important to serve, amen? And honestly, there are some people, they feel above it. They feel like, you know, well, do you know what I do for a living? Do you know how educated I am? I am too busy for that. I can't even tell you how many times people have showed up at church and they're willing to lead, but they're not willing to serve. Like, oh, you want me to do what? Do you know what I did at my last church? A generation church if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. In the kingdom of God, I think we need a little less diva and a little more disciple, amen? And I'm so grateful at our church, we've got all kinds of people serving who, who might otherwise come up with excuses and think, well, I, I can't do that, I'm too busy for that, you know, like, we, you know, we got everyone serving in all kinds of situations, like moms who are taking care of kids, corporate executives, doctors, lawyers, students, first responders, athletes, business owners, people with disabilities, everyone in between, retired, everyone, people are serving, and, and I just think if Jesus could pause in the middle of saving the world to serve, then none of us are too good to serve. None of us are too important to serve. None of us are busy enough to opt out. And really, let me just point this out. When we say, I'm too busy, really what we're saying is, I'm too busy for that. Which translates to, I'm too important for that. Jesus is greater than any of our excuses. And then that brings me to my next point. We serve because Jesus commanded it. Amen. He just commanded it. That's, that's kind of <laughs> the bottom line. <laughs> he told us to do this. In verse 17, he said, now uh, that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now that you know these things, and I think, I think that's important because some people, they don't serve because they didn't know better. They just didn't know. 
Jesus is saying, now that you do know, God will bless you for doing them. He says this in verse 15, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Like, so Jesus, he gave us this example, and he said, now you do this. Just, just let me just point this out. Jesus said, do as I have done to you. This wasn't a suggestion. This wasn't one of several alternative lifestyle choices. This wasn't like Pastor Ryan asking you to serve. This is our king commanding us to serve. And as Americans, we don't like to be told what to do. But as citizens of the kingdom of God, we do what our king commands us to do. Jesus told us to serve. He told us this is what we do. This applies to all believers, every single believer in Jesus, old and young, people at the Mesa campus, at the Ahwatukee campus, in the chapel service, in the main service, rich, poor, new believer, and mature believer, anyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus has told us to serve. Your family needs you to serve, but more importantly, Jesus has commanded us to do it. So if you leave here mad today and you're like, I'm mad. It's like, why? I'm mad because Ryan told me what Jesus said. <laughs> I'm just doing my job, all right? <laughs> like, and you might feel like, well, now that I know, I have to do it. But remember, you don't have to, you get to. It's an attitude, it's an attitude. And I know some of you, you haven't served before because you're thinking more about yourself and all the issues in your own life and you feel unqualified to serve the body of Christ in some way. Listen, you don't have to be perfect to serve, you just have to be obedient. You just have to be obedient. And you need to know this, the good thing about obeying Christ is that obedience always leads to God's blessing in our lives. Jesus could have said, do this or else. But he said, do this so that, do this so that I can bless you. Remember I said in verse 17, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Our Father in heaven is so loving and kind and good to us that when we do what he told us to do, he just is ready to reward us. He's ready to bless us. You will be blessed when you serve. So this isn't about your church needing something from you. It's about Jesus wanting to do something life-changing inside of you. He wants to bless you. He knows that when you do what he does, you'll become like he is. And the more you become like Jesus, the more blessed you will be, the more blessed your life will be. It's a privilege to serve Jesus. I'm grateful that growing up in church as a kid, I had opportunities to serve in different ways, even though I didn't appreciate them all at the time. But man, I got to serve with kids and uh, adults and with worship and pull weeds and clean toilets and scrape gum. But even though I didn't like doing all those things at the time, I learned a lesson. I learned that the dirtier the job, the bigger the blessing. Isn't that true? Like those of you who have served and done the dirty jobs, you know, man, there's something about coming away from serving when you've just been knee deep in the kingdom of God, up to your shoulders, just serving Jesus, that man, you become more grateful for what God has given you. You feel more joy knowing that you're obeying Jesus and making a difference in the world. And as we work to bring in the harvest of souls, then we share in the fruit of the harvest. What that means is that there is an eternal reward when we serve Jesus in a way that results in life change. If you wanna be great in the kingdom of God, Jesus said you must serve. 
None of us will get to heaven and say, I wish I had served a little less during my time on earth. We're going to enjoy the rewards of serving for all eternity, but here's the good thing. You'll start to enjoy the blessings of serving today. You'll find that it changes you from the inside out. You'll appreciate what God has given you. It's going to bless you. And so how, how do we implement this in our lives? How do we take away this lesson and apply it to our lives? So I'm talking to Generation Church today. I know that this is a firm message, and I feel like God has led me to say these things to you. And so here's the takeaway. At our church, it's very easy to start serving. You attend one class, we give you the background that you need, and then we help you get plugged into the area that you're gonna serve. We give you the training that we need, and then we're gonna help you to serve in a way that's conducive to your life and the situation in your life. So all kinds of opportunities to serve, but the first step is to attend G101. This is the starting point for our church. This is the class you go to. It's super convenient. I know you've been to the class and you're like, it's great. I know, thank you for that endorsement. But there's classes after this service, later tonight, next week, all day, the week after that, all day. There's a million opportunities to go to G101. We have it then every other week on an ongoing basis. You go to that class, you learn about the background of the church, the history of the church. But nobody can serve at Generation Church without going to this class first. Then it's easy, you just jump right in. I wanna encourage every single one of you to start serving in some way within the next 30 days. I mean, I'm putting legs to this thing. I'm putting legs to it. It's practical, it's relevant. It's like, how do I apply this to my life, Pastor Ryan? Start serving on a team in the next 30 days. Go to G101, figure out what it looks like to serve and work together with your family. All church members are saying this, I commit to serve my church family as a reflection of how Jesus has served me. It's a priority. It's not something I just do when it's convenient. It's important, and so I prioritize. I wanna encourage you, church, just as a pastor, as a, a spiritual leader, um, I, I just wanna say into your life on behalf of the Lord, if you haven't signed up to serve, start serving. If you're not serving, I'm calling you out today. I am calling you out. I'm challenging you. I'm calling you to step up to a higher level. Do it because you love Jesus. Do it because you love people. Do it because it's a blessing to others and because God will bless you for doing it. Amen. Church family works together. We're a family, we work together. I'm grateful that Jesus has served us first. Let's bow our heads and pray. If you're here today too and you say, I wanna be a part of the family of Christ, then you can join in this family at any time. Jesus has already served you by dying on the cross paying the price for your sins so that you could become a part of God's family. And so if you're here today and you're like, man, how can Jesus love me this much? Jesus was the physical manifestation of God's love for you. His very life on this earth was the physical representation of how much God loved you, that he would come to you in your sinfulness and die on the cross for your sins and rise again. That's how much God loved you. And if you wanna accept that love and become a part of God's family, you can do it today. Just say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. I believe that you died for me and rose again. And I wanna serve you from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you pray that and you mean it, then you're saved, you're forgiven, and you're a part of the body of Christ. And then for everyone here who's today a part of Generation Church and you call this your church home and you already believe in Jesus, the message today was clear, the challenge was clear, 
the response to this message is also very clear. It's just a matter of will you do it or not? And so Lord, today I'm praying that you'll stir up in our hearts a desire to serve you, to des a desire to serve your people, that we'll do this out of obedience for, towards you, God, and love for one another. God, I pray that you'll manifest uh, in our lives in new ways. God, as we serve one another, that we'll learn to love each other in greater ways, that we'll learn to love people like never before. And God, I pray that through our serving, we'll see many lives change. Lord, I'm praying today that there will be so many people who go from being a church attender to a church family member, that it will just change the whole outlook of the community of the Phoenix Valley, Lord, that this church will become a force to be reckoned with that changes lives for Jesus Christ. For your glory, God, we praise you, we worship you in Jesus' name.